Welcome to the Overreact Podcast. In a society that puts women in a box. Let's overreact. Let's overreact. It's your girl Momo Hoya in the house. We are doing something magical because girls, this is our last episode. Already imagine. It's your girl Angelo and Boy, and I'm so excited that you all are here with us for the end of season two. We've come to the end of the road. I feel like I want to do a voice to men. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Although we've come. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, it's been a wonderful season. Uh, we've had uh, all sorts of women in the house. And there's a saying this uh, that goes, representation matters. So we've had all the ovaries in the house making magic and doing big moves. Uh, out there in different leadership positions. And as we wrap up the season, uh, one thing that we want to say is there's a real sense of allyship that needed for women, especially black women. Yes, sisters? And an article by Forbes.com uh, stated that although we are seeing black more black women build billion dollars uh, businesses and rise up in top leadership positions, the truth remains that we are still vastly underrepresented, underfunded, overmented due to many, many barriers that we face, right? Definitely. Um, and on that note, I want to share a question by a lady called Melva LaJoy, who is the CEO of LaJoy Plans, who stated that one way to help the majority of people shift their mindset is by simply asking them a very basic question, which is, how would you feel if you were the only one in the room that looked like you. Mm. That question alone would lead one to apply themselves from a more empathetic position and as a result would be more supportive of those disregarded simply because of things like gender, race, or age. Absolutely. Um, let's say that again. How does it? How would you feel if you were the only person in the room? And today's guest is a woman who's definitely found herself in many rooms where she's the only one who looks like her. She is Kenya's first supermodel who continues to rise up the ranks in fashion. She was once a Victoria's Secret model and recently got back on the runway for Paris Fashion Week. Um, she was raised in northern Kenya, Trukana. She also lived and grew up in Sweden and still does, um, does a bit of both. Our guest is none other than Ajuma Nasanyana, who is the, also the founder of Ajuma Models, which is an international talent model agency, and Ajuma Foundation, an organization intent on supporting those of the Trukana community and other arid communities nationally. Welcome to the show, Ajuma. Thank you, beautiful lady. <laughs> We're so happy. My friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's so weird, like, me sitting here and you guys are, like, interviewing me. Yeah. We just, we're always out there. Yeah, we do a lot of banter together. And it's <laughs> fun. <laughs> it's nice to have so you So let's here. hope I'm going to keep it serious, because, of course, I, we, you have your listener. <laughs> no, we want you to keep it fun, to keep it real. And, of Te course, speaking of, speaking of mm -hmm. making it less serious, tell yes. us about yourself, define yourself, and tell us one fun fact that no one really knows. Ooh, um, <laughs> on the spot. I know, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so it's Ajuma Nasanyana, born in Trokana. I am, of course, like Lash said, I'm a high fashion, international fashion model, um, raised in Trokana, um, a mother of two boys, very beautiful boys. I am um, a philanthropist, Juma Foundation, and I'm also an entrepreneur, Juma Limited. Fun fact, they call me, my nickname, 
when it comes to children because I'm so crazy about kids. Like if if like a child falls in the pool, I'll be inside the pool before the mother. Or if a child like I'll catch the child in the air. So they call me like they call me mother goose or mm-hmm. butter in Swahili. Okay. They call me butter because <laughs> I'm so crazy about children. It doesn't even have to be my own kids. So my my friends and fam and cousins they all, they always call me butter. Okay, okay. From <laughs> now on, can we call you butter on the show? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so true, man, because, you know, <laughs> we see how you interact with kids mm, when you're doing their Juma Foundation mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, my beautiful. gosh. Yeah. Kids yeah. have a very spot, soft spot in my heart. Oh, yes. We love that. Your, your motherly instinct mm. always just kicks in. Mm. Um, so we're going to jump right into our interview with you. So you have been in the fashion industry for countless years. Um, and the fashion industry is definitely cutthroat and not many people become household names mm-hmm. like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been recognized not only in Kenya, but internationally. And most models struggle to continue, um, you know, as, especially as they get older, especially for women, there's like mm-hmm. a cap off, mm-hmm. you know, for age. Mm-hmm. Um, however, even after taking a long break from the runway, you're very much still relevant. Uh, even now you have fashion designers like Valentino mm-hmm. that still look for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look back, what would you say you attribute your ongoing success to? I think it's me, my personality, my foundation also. Um, um, the way I was brought up, I was brought up in a very like with a very strong foundation. You know, those foundations which you can't really um, sway right so i was very grounded going into the fashion industry i knew myself um so i think that that is one of the things that i can attribute to that and also the fact that i mean i think people i mean i i I get along with people very well so my agency i think the agency has to be very flexible with you for example. So when I went away and had my children and had a break, mm-hmm. right, my agency still held on to me. They still believed in me and they thought I was a really, really good person as well. Of course, you have to be, you know, that is very important. You know, when you when you go in there, you have to be very grounded and, you know, just respect people. You know, if you don't, if, if, if you don't have respect for people and yourself, it's very easy for an agency to drop you really easily, right? So my agency held on to me. Even though I went away, they still kept me and they kept pushing me. And, you know, if I could make it or not, you know, they're, they're really flexible with me. But normally with other models, if you move away, mm-hmm. you know, if you decide, oh, I'm going to go away and have my kids or you know, I don't want to be there. Like, you know, I want to move back, base myself at home or something like this. It doesn't work. So this was a very rare opportunity and they still continue to support me like that. So it's about also the relationship you have your with your modeling agency as well. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I love what you're saying that you have to be grounded and mm-hmm. you have to be true to yourself mm-hmm. so that people can see the value yes. you have or attach yourself mm-hmm. that they can extend that value to you. Yeah, that's the thing because I mean, if you don't like value yourself, people can see that, you know, mm-hmm. and they can easily just let go of you or just decide, you know what, she's not going to be, you know, strong enough to stay, you know, in, in this industry, you know, because like you said, it's cutthroat, but they saw the strength in me. Yes. Oh. Because of my foundation, of course. <laughs> Home, Trukana, my culture, everything. 
<laughs> so, um, Ajuma, not only are you recognized as one of Kenya's leading supermodels, mm-hmm. but as a result of being in the industry for so long, um, you have found yourself in many rooms where you were the only one of your type. Mm-hmm. That's something that I can even relate to. Having grown up in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, you know, being, you know, minority in many different spaces. Um, how did you navigate, you know, through these types of situations where you're in spaces where you're so underrepresented? Yeah. So... For me, starting from, I think I've, I've told this story a lot, starting from like being, growing up, not not um, not seen as being attractive or beautiful because of my skin tone or my my, my, my um, physical structure and so on. So for me, it was a little bit like, I started like when I was out there, I started off being paranoid when people look at me or reject me in some type of way. My I go back, you know, to that um, teasing as a child. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like, okay, they're looking at me because they think I'm ugly or I'm not attractive or I look strange, I look awkward, out of place and so on. Or the client has rejected me for the same reason, right? But then, I mean, I came to learn that, okay, this is a different um, world, right? When it comes to maybe rejection and also also the, when people are looking at me, it's because I stand out, right? I stand out. I'm exotic. I am beautiful. That is the reason why they are looking at me. I came to find that out later because, of course, I was working. I was on the billboards. I was on TV, you know, American TV everywhere, you know. So that's, in the end, I came, it dawned on me that was the reason why people are actually looking at me. And even though when it comes to rejection, it's because I wasn't the right look for whatever it is they were trying to market. Yeah. And it's not about you. I love that. I'm exotic. Yes. That's a really nice affirmation. (laughs) Looking at yourself in the mirror when you're having a bad day. But I'm exotic. Yes. There's there's no such thing as somebody being ugly or unattractive. You look the way you are and you're beautiful, just like, you know, the way you are. Nobody looks like anybody else. How boring would that be if you just wanted to look like, oh, I don't know whoever they think the world sees as beautiful, you know. Yeah, that's but, you know, I you love can, Everybody that. can't look the same. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I knew what the power of I am. Uh, yeah. Well, I had almost a similar um, upbringing where mm-hmm. I was like uh, called Kavirodo. Mm-hmm. Kavirodo is like a duck uh, yeah. in Kikuyu. Mm-hmm. And you always label like you look like a man or something. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, it's in that um, power, the power of telling yourself, you know, they say there's power in self-talk. So the way you capitalize on that I am, mm-hmm. uh, I think has really changed who I am. Mm. I'm like, yeah, yes, I wear my melanin and mm. feel it every day because I live in Kenya. Mm. And yes, girl, if you have the melanin, love I yourself know. and you're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Did any of those experiences, of course, uh, growing up in Trucana, hitting the high fashion, uh, being in Paris, in New York, being in one of those amazing series? I saw you and I sent you a screenshot. Ding! Mm. Ah. In the city. <laughs> yes. I couldn't believe I was like, I know that girl. She's in that series. <gasps> Oh my god, that was like that's amazing. my bestie. Oh my god, yeah, that's my bestie. Yeah, so um, did that the, the experience you've had, and of course over the years, has that informed, um, you know, coming back home and establishing your own talent agency? Yes, it has, because the, the reason why I started my own talent agency is because I mean, Kenyans, Kenyan doesn't really have any structure when it comes to talent management. 
and also when it comes to trying to, you know, um, the fees, talent, talent fees are so ridiculous here. People, I mean, they can't survive on that. So the reason why, I mean, I knew, I mean, what a talent should be treated like, you know. Mm-hmm. I know, I knew how a talent should be managed, right? And I felt like I could come and try to at least um, give that to the Kenyan industry so that the talent could be able to be treated at least in a better way. The most important reason why I came back and started a management, I mean, talent management agency. A true example of charity begins at home. Mm. And we were so honored uh, back when we did a drive in mm-hmm. Trukana, we <laughs> where you invited us and you opened your doors uh, to us with Hills for Parts mm-hmm. Foundation and Ajuma Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about your work in philanthropy and how uh, you came to, you know, make that decision that you want to give uh, back through your talent, mm. uh, build a foundation like Ajuma, mm. and also bring other girls behind you with you. Um, you know, tell us about uh, yeah. that. So I've always been, as in since I was a child, I've always been a giving. It's just in me. It's Aww. in my bones. <laughs> I'm just a very, I was born a philanthropist, I think. Because even when, you know, when I used to go to school, boarding school, you know how you're given money for tax shop, right? To begin, see, I was, I was actually, um, my mother and I were taken in by a Swedish family. So, I mean, she was a teenage mother roaming around the village. You know, um, her father had kicked her out because she had gotten a child out of wedlock, right? So she had nothing to, you know, feed me. You know, it was just mm-hmm. difficult for her. So a Swedish family took her in, right, and helped her. Now, this Swedish family put her back in school. She, they put her back to school, and then they took care of me. And then when I was, like, of age, they put me in boarding school, a private boarding school. Oh. Yeah. In so, Shokana? No, 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 in Nairobi. Very good one, a British boarding school. Nice. Now, my life compared to my peers that I had left at home was like, oh my gosh, night and day, right? Mm-hmm. I had everything. Imagine, I mean, I come to this school, I, I come from like running around barefoot, you know, nothing to eat and so on, and then into this school where, like, there's this big building, you know, we're eating our breakfast is like sausages and eggs and, you know, we have great lunch and all these kind of things. My, you know, I have a, a classroom, my own desk, have all the books I need. I'm being read for bedtime stories. People are washing my clothes, you know. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, and all these kind of things. And how, around how so, old were you when all this That happened? was like seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then, so now, see, I had that life. And then when I go home... <gasps> My cousins and the rest of my peers, you know, they have torn clothes. They're walking around barefoot. They don't. They're they're sitting under the tree, writing on the thing, you know, on the ground and all these kind of things. So, for me, that was like it used to haunt me really, really badly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I did. I mean, I got the opportunity. You know, somebody gave me an opportunity to have a dignified life mm-hmm. that has always stuck, you know, in in my subconscious. So I knew no matter where I go. You know, no matter what height I reach, I'm going to come back home and give back. Wow. Yeah. Your true definition of your past doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're doing a lot for girls out there in mm-hmm. Chukana who mm-hmm. have, you know, um, you know, hitting barriers and challenges growing up. Um, so your mission is very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's like the bigger vision? Because I know right now that you are um, going out there and giving 
uh, books and stuff. And and recently you just did a drive where you, um, I was really heartbroken seeing people having shoes for the first oh. time in 2022. You imagine the kids, you put on the shoes, they stand up, they don't even know what to do. They fall because even taking a step, they don't know how to walk with shoes. Yeah. The oh. first time ever for them to wear shoes. Imagine, and then imagine those places like, eh, it's rough terrain. The sun, man, we have more than 40 degrees sun. Yeah. They're walking on hot sand, sharp rocks, the thorns, you know, the acacia there, you've seen. Yes, yes. Acacia everywhere. So yeah. thorns and you find the kids have wounds in their feet. They've been, you know, cut by rocks and so on, infections and things like that. So for me, the first time I went to take the books, that is one of the challenges I wanted to sort out. So I came back and I asked um, City Walk to to provide shoes for the children. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good mission. And, mm. um, you know, keep doing what you're doing mm. and may, like, you know, have the ability to support as many children as possible. Mm. Um, so like we said earlier, this um, whole season has been about women in leadership. And you are, this is the finale mm -hmm. of season two. Mm -hmm. And so we've been talking to a range of women and um, who've been, you know, leading in different uh, spheres, mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. In your journey, transitioning mm -hmm. from full-time modeling mm -hmm. to running both a business and a charity organ mm -hmm. organization, as well as living and working in many countries across the globe, but mm -hmm. specifically more between Kenya and Sweden, yeah. right? Um, so share with us like three key lessons you've learned along the way that you believe have defined your leadership character. So for me, three key lessons I've learned from that have divine, defined my leadership um, character is that, okay, let's say through modeling, rejection has given me resilience, right? Through my charity, it has given me humility. Mm. Yes. And um, just through friends and family that has um it has shown me i mean love and support for me as a person right which is very important to keep yeah. me afloat yeah and to yes. keep you like grounded especially yes. with humility you know yeah. you're in an area where you walk somewhere ajuma you know yes, everyone yes. is constantly <laughs> recognizing so sometimes that can kind of get in your head oh uh, no way yeah, I, me no way. I know I, I, we can all attest that you are a very humble person. Um, what are, so some of the challenges women have mm -hmm. and can attest to is being a hindrance to themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, in regards to acquiring leadership positions, so you'll find uh, women will there'll be a job interviewed or there'll be a course. In fact, Mo did a course uh, with Unita and it was specifically for women, but men were applying that they had to mm -hmm. accommodate men mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the thing is like women put, don't put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sometimes motherhood kind of gets in the way. Mm -hmm. um, you did say that you're a mother of two. Have you been able to navigate for your journey as leading um, in two organizations, modeling and going across the world, plus juggling, you know, being a mom? If you, there's a mom out there mm -hmm. who is struggling to try and find balance, um, what, are, what are some of the things that you've had challenges with and how do you like have those conversations with yourself, say, okay, I still got to do, I still got to do a Juma, even okay. though I'm Mama Nani. Yeah. The thing is that we all have, I mean, I can't say that um, I'm perfect in trying to juggle everything. We all have that demon voice in our heads that comes and, you know, 
makes us women mm-hmm. doubt ourselves, yeah. right? Makes us talk ourselves down mm-hmm. and also stunts our next step. So I can I, I can say I, what I what I would like to say that whoever is feeling that way, it is normal. It's normal for you to feel that way. You know, it's don't, don't get discouraged and you know just pay attention to that to, to that nini to to that voice and and um, close yourself. Mm. Let it talk. Let the voice talk. It's there. It's fine. You can't do anything about it. But you know what? Live with it. Mm. Make it part of you. Mm. But don't forget to move on, move forward, you know, move forward with it, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> more or less. Let's go together. You don't want to be stunt, stunted and, you know, and, um, you know, you have a family ticket. Me, for me, I have, I have my children to take care of. Yeah. I have no option, you know, but to keep moving, drag that voice with you and keep going. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm. It will that. leave you somehow <laughs> yeah. at some point, you know, yeah. once you conquer it, it's just going to disappear. But just keep going, keep moving, even though you have that doubt in side of you you know focus on what you want you know what you want to do your next step you know and you know one, one of the things that I feel like sabotages me mm-hmm. right and um, I felt like I mean I've, I've gotten to get through is I'm always focusing on the end goal right okay yes there's that end goal but to get there you need to take these little baby steps you know, you have to take little bites at a time. That is how you climb up the ladder. The end goal is there, but you have to take these little steps. And sometimes even through those um, little steps, you're going to get hurdles. You can't give up, right? Yeah. Just give, give it a break and then try to calm down and try to re- regroup and keep going. Yeah. Before we come to an end you know, you, how long have you been modeling for? Or Since 2006. Since 2006. That's mm. a long Girl. time. Do you know, I used to Guy. have a newspaper mm-hmm. with your photo and um, the other lady. Uh, she used to be in the modeling industry mm-hmm. as well at the same time as you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. <gasps> Look at these girls. Uh. And now we are friends sitting <laughs> over here and doing this thing called the Act. <laughs> what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? Of course, my boys. Oh, <laughs> How long Sour did you butter. take the break? <laughs> Good. How long was your motherhood break? Mm. So funny. Because the first time I had Elliot, um, I think I started working when he was eight months. First time I went to New York. I went back to New York and worked mm-hmm. eight months. So let me tell you a funny thing. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I left him. Of course, he was breastfeeding as well. Eh, oh. First of all, the milk is, you know, the milk... <laughs> Yes, hey, <laughs> when you're yeah. did they like <laughs> My boobs were swollen and I was trying to express. It was so painful. Oh, what, what, what? No. Then I went to sleep now that first night as I landed. I went to bed. Can you imagine? I woke up frantic looking for my baby. I thought he had fallen down or something. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. <wow>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I woke up frantic, like you no, know, like looking for my baby in the sheets, and, and I thought it was under the bed or something. I was like, okay. Then I, I it hit me. Okay, your baby's not here. You've left him in Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> and you were supposed to strut it, like you know, like as if you nothing is happening. Yes, in your yes, life. yes. So I just chill, slept, you know, did my job. But I only can you imagine? I only went for twenty four hours. I land. Um, I land. Uh, maybe I sleep that night, do the job the next morning, fly back all the way from New York to Nairobi, fly back after the job immediately because of the baby. 
I don't even let myself rest a day or something. Oh my God. <laughs> power, power to you, power to you. Um, Ajuma, mm -hmm. you know, so for me, I'm, I'm from the pageant industry, but mm -hmm. whether people are in pageant or high fashion, mm -hmm. you know, you have definitely set the bar very high for mm -hmm. Kenyan women, for African girls around the globe. Mm -hmm. And we just want to say thank you so much, Ajuma, for overreacting with us. Thank you. Um, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you as a guest on our show as we wrap up season two. Um, and you are definitely representing women in fashion and philanthropy, and you mm -hmm. do it with so much grace. Thank you. Um, and we would want to end the show by giving you this imaginary billboard. We know that you've been on many billboards, <laughs> but this is the billboard Overreact team is giving you. Mm -hmm. And we want you to write a statement mm -hmm. about your definition of leadership. So if there's anything that you could tell other women out there when it comes to leadership mm -hmm. and you're going to put it on a billboard, mm -hmm. what would you say? I think um, leadership is not about you being a queen or a king or, you know, putting yourself on a pedestal. Leadership is about coming to the ground with the people, you know, then you're able, people are, a, you're able to understand the people, people are able to resonate with you, you know, you're able to get the needs assessment of the people, you're able to serve people, you know, in, in, in the right way, right? So that is my definition of a good leader. I for ground, absolutely. ground, different ground, ground. <laughs> um, but it's good. it's good. I like that. I yeah. really like that because I think that's where leaders sometimes mm, get it mm, wrong. They I mean, you can see our leaders here. I mean, why should people in the you know in the county government feel like they they're entitled to citizens' money, Mini right? Gods. It's because mm -hmm. we think these guys are like gods, right? That is not leadership. Mm. Why are we scared of the police? Mm. You know, because they're aggressive and, you know, and so on. That is not, that's not a good leader. You're supposed to be at, at my level. You're supposed to be protecting me, right? Mm -hmm. So that is why I'm saying you, you cannot, as a leader, if you want to be a good leader, you cannot put yourself on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. No. Damn. We are so inspired by your journey, of course, from New York to Paris to Sweden to Nairobi to Quagrown Trukana, you're doing the magic. And I hope, uh, you know, as we wrap up this season, uh, someone will be inspired by your journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, guys, I think we're coming to an end of the season and the episode. There's no, I think it's oh come God. to an end. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, yeah. But you, you have to keep it here uh, for more magic. Uh, so you've been listening to the Overreact podcast, a space where we openly ask the tough questions. We invite our reactors like Ajuma to come and, you know, to have a championing conversation to trigger change. And we did it right here at Kofisi Studios where this recording um, I was done at their media center, a space for creators to come and record uh, their content. Uh, so you should check it out. It's Kofisi 9 West. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as always, you can tune in on Mondays um, from 10.30 p.m. on Capital FM. We will be back for season three, so keep an eye. And you can do so by subscribing to our digital platform. So that's Capital FM Kenya SoundCloud, Sister Speaks Global, in Apple, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcast. And interact and follow us at Sister Speaks 254 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also at Overreact Podcast on Instagram. Because yes. so we're going to be dropping the bts the special so make sure that you follow uh, us as subscribed yes. so as we wrap it up this time our parting shot will be different it will be a summary around the last you know the the 13 episodes and what we've taken from each 
women and and you know those conversations so i'll give you all an opportunity to say your last words girl i've learned so many things uh with these beautiful women that we had on the episode i mean on the season uh one thing that's stuck with me was that leadership is not about the status or your title it just you know being empathetic uh, resonating with people's problem using that human centeredness to understand people's problems and be able to you know reason with them and uh, build solutions together and above all humility humility know the core of who you are and then from there if you know you're in touch with yourself you'll be in touch with the people that's what i learned um so definitely uh one thing that i took from this season is you know some of the things that society typically says makes us weak as women is actually the things that make us strong as leaders. So when it comes to things like emotional intelligence, I know that that was a reoccurring theme that came up in so many discussions that we had. Um so being in touch with your emotions, being able to connect with people, being able to connect with people on the ground like Ajuma has said. Um definitely don't look at your the things that society calls weakness. Take them take those lemons those bad things that society says about women and and turn them into lemonade and this has been your girl Angela Wamboy i think for me i would say that every everyone's journey is different and you need to appreciate your own journey that's definitely true with all the type of different types of women that we've had um secondly is you need to affirm yourself no one else can do it for you so a lot of the women did talk about imposter syndrome did talk about the challenges that they've had with how to navigate with the 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 demons and the anxiety that's within themselves so i think uh, if that if you're in that space you need to deal with that and then lastly i think what's clear and true is every single woman um we spoke to including ourselves is putting yourself out there i think that's the one thing that i want women to get is like the opportunities will not come to you you need to put yourself out there and the more you do so the more easier it is and you can just navigate through the rejection so it's been wonderful it's been great and i look forward to another season of talking to amazing women you have been listening to lush angela And yes, I can concur with the themes that you all talked about. And it's your girl Mohoya, uh, Mumohoya signing out and asking you girls out there, dare greatly. Absolutely. Adios. Ladies, let's overreact. overreact.